I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, great to see the confirmation class here. Well done. Thanks for those who uh, submitted the answers to the questions of chapter one, all three of you. I'll look for the other ones. You know the story of the shepherd who is shepherding his sheep out in a lonely pasture and uh, minding his own business with all his flock of sheep. And along comes this uh, big car, big BMW, drives up onto the pasture. Out pops this well-dressed man, sunglasses and Gucci shoes, and he strolls over to the shepherd and he says to the shepherd, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, may I have one of them? And the honest shepherd said, yeah, sure, you can do that. So the, the man pulls out his smartphone and gets onto the internet and he downloads a NASA webpage to get the GPS uh, uh, coordinates on there. And then he sends this information off to someplace in Hamburg, Germany, and they send it back to his portable laser jet printer and they print out a report. And the man comes over to the shepherd and says, you have 1,536 sheep right there. And may I have my sheep now? The man, the shepherd says, yeah, I guess so. You fulfilled it. That's exactly how many sheep I have. So the man goes over to the flock, grabs one of the animals, puts it in his trunk, closes the trunk. Just before he drives off, the shepherd says, if I can tell you what you do, may I have my animal back? The man says, well, sure, but I don't think you'd be able to guess what I do. Shepherd says, you're a consultant, aren't you? And the man says, wow, that's correct. Yes, I am. How did you know? The shepherd said, well, you showed up here even though nobody called you. You get paid for an answer I already knew to a question nobody asked, and you don't know anything about my business. Can I have my sheepdog back? <laughs> well, I'd like us to look at the 23rd Psalm today. And uh, then the, the readings are really about shepherds. Do you know the, the little saying, eeny, meeny, miny, moe? Did anybody hear this on NPR this morning? They were talking about that, and someone had done research, and say, like I, I did that my whole childhood, deciding which team I was going to be on, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And they said it, was, it started with shepherds counting the sheep. Tom Wright says in his book, A Case for the Psalms, that it's to our own detriment as a church that we have neglected the Psalms. They're a wonderful, essential treasure for our corporate worship, but also our personal devotions. And uh, I think most of us know the 23rd Psalm, if not by heart, very well. It's surely one of the best known, most loved Psalms. And I thought it would do us well to have another look at it. So if you'd like to turn it up in your bulletin and follow along, I'd be most grateful. The uh, many Psalms are quoted in the New Testament, but not the 23rd Psalm. The earliest reference to it is by one of the church fathers named Athanasius, who said, should you become aware that you are being shepherded and led in the right path by the Lord, sing Psalm 23, rejoicing in this. As we look at it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a beautiful, almost bucolic, pastoral image of sheep delightedly following a gentle shepherd, maybe playing his flute in the afternoon setting sun. But, what, but could Psalm 23 lead us to think of a God who is just an indulgent figure who gives us whatever we want? I shall have no lack. Sort of like the celestial Amazon. 
who will just put something in your trunk. Do you know Amazon now is saying that they'll be able to, once you order it, they'll be able to put it right in your trunk without you even being there. It's like crazy. Is God like that? Gives us our wildest wishes and dreams so we have no lack of anything. Well, before we jump into that conclusion, let's remember two things. One is, it's interesting that Jerome, in translating for the Vulgate in the 4th century, translated the opening phrase, not the Lord is my shepherd, but the Lord is my ruler. My ruler. Because many times world rulers were referred to as shepherds. It gives a different impression, doesn't it? Because most of us do not naturally wish for someone to tell us what to do. We're resistant to authority and our pride rebels. We want to be our own ruler. Thank you very much. And the second thing is to get a proper take on this image of the shepherd. It's important, I think, to look at what the Bible thinks of sheep. (laughs) Like in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, Psalm 23 is this beautiful passage. But do we really want a ruler, someone telling us what to do? How do we get to the place where we want God to be our ruler? It's sort of, let's remember the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. Sheep like to go their own way. They like to ignore the shepherd. They like to get away with things if they can. My two boys are about to walk in the door here. Let's make them embarrassed. Okay, let's look at Psalm verse, uh, 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. This is a psalm that speaks of relationship. There's the Lord, and then there's me. In the Hebrew, it's just four words. The Lord, shepherd, or just Lord, shepherd, and not wanting. What's that mean? In understanding who God is, we, need to underst- we come to a fuller understanding of who we are. With the Lord in his proper place, I can take my proper place. It's not about what we have. I wouldn't want us to translate that phrase, I shall not be in want because I'll have so many things that God has given me. Rather, I won't be in want because God tells me who I am and that I'm sufficient. For many people today, there's a great emptiness in their heart and soul. There's a great sense of inadequacy, uh, aching void, People feeling alone and insignificant. I think even as as we get older, as I get older, I feel like I'm fading. And people don't notice me. People don't honor the older people in this culture in the way they did back then. And it's false prophets or hired hands who will try to convince you that it's the amount of your possessions that matters. Do you know that bumper sticker? It says, he who has the most toys when he dies wins. That's very much part of our cultural understanding. But the psalm now goes on to address those who hunger on the inside, those who have a fear on the inside or a thirst. It speaks to a soul that needs to be revived, restored. So let's just look quickly at verses 2 to 5. He makes me lay down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, revives my soul, Guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and staff comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Beautiful images of what God intends for his people, for those who submit themselves to him as their ruler and shepherd. We can see how it, was, it had an early use as a baptismal hymn, the still waters corresponding to the waters of baptism. Anointing my head with oil, corresponding to the chrismation when someone's baptized, anointed with oil. In remembrance that we follow the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. Or we see it as a Eucharistic hymn. You prepare a table before me with a cup that's running over, feeding our souls. But did you notice in the psalm that the verse says, in the presence of my enemies... What does that mean? Why is it important for the psalmist to understand that the table is set in the midst of enemies? I think what we do here is a very dramatic, counter-cultural thing. We come here to listen to the shepherd tell us who we are. And that our worth is not based on how many friends we have, how many possessions we have, how many degrees we have, how many bank accounts we have but simply that we are with the shepherd. The Lord is with me, and he will bless me. And so we don't listen to those people. We, we set this table right in the midst of our culture to say, this is what defines me. This is what satisfies me, makes me content, and gives me the strength to do the loving things God calls me to do. One of the commentators in the 12th century says of David, saying that David had a, this was a prophecy of of Christ and the Eucharistic table. He says, so that with a sweet mixture of music, by singing, he would prophesy, and by prophesying he would sing the business of the salvation of souls, so that by running the words with poetic steps, and strumming the ringing strings of the Psalter. Don't you love that? Strumming the ringing strings of the Psalter. They might come through the ears into the soul and sweetly implant the faith, hope, and charity of God. In verse 6 it says, Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's an interesting phrase that God's mercy will follow us. But what else will follow us when we leave this world? What will we leave in our wake? Will our uh, life have made a difference? Will our life been a life of mercy and compassion, of generosity? What will follow us? Will it be mercy and goodness? Lord knows there's many things in the world that need our help, need our contributions, need our prayers. The hurricane, the uh, earthquake in Nepal yesterday, 2,400 people. Our hearts cry out. All those refugees who have been lost on their way to try to get to a better life in Europe from Africa. People caught up in human trafficking. The homeless that we try to help through lots in the beacon. I'm so impressed with all that St. Francis people do. But our example is to keep going. That that's what we leave in our wake. And it ends by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If God is our shepherd, we know where we belong. 
Did you notice before that he is that said the, the shepherd is with the sheep? My this rod and staff comfort me, he's with me, and now we are with him in the house of the Lord. We know where we belong. Did you know a couple of days ago was the one hundredth anniversary of the Armenian genocide? And I just heard that the Armenian Apostolic Church has canonized all those who were killed, 1.5 million people, or up to that number, has canonized them all. It's kind of, an, a, a, kind of an audacious thing to do. It's the first time they've canonized anybody in 400 years. It's the largest canonization of anything, making those people saints. But it spoke to me of reaffirming where they belong. They were taken away from their homeland and died, but the church is saying they belong with the Lord. Where do I belong? Where's my home? As the psalmist does not fear, because he says, you are with me, now he looks to the promised land where he will be with the Lord in his house forever. So it's a beautiful psalm of the shepherd doing all this for his people. But how was it that the shepherd was able to do that? Well, let's turn to the gospel reading with you, uh, with me, if you would, uh, in your bulletin. Jesus would have known this psalm. The psalms were the, the scriptures of the early church of the apostles. They may have known these by heart. Let's not forget that Psalm 23 comes right after Psalm 22, which is the psalm that Jesus recited when he hung on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God forsakes people who forsake him. There's a disconnection that he's not with the shepherd. But Jesus brings these together in his teaching on the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Confirmation class, count up the number of times the word shepherd comes up in the gospel reading. Just right now, right where you are. Count up how many times it says shepherd. How many times it says good shepherd. And how many times it says lays down his life. In that short passage, anybody got those counted yet? Hands up. Anybody else? You guys can do it too if you want. You know, you've already been confirmed. It says shepherd five times, says lays down his life five times. Three times it's designated the good shepherd. And he says right at the beginning, I am the good shepherd. Here's what a good shepherd does. He lays down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for love. You see down in verse 17 where it says, for this reason... The Father loves me because I lay down my life. There's this inexpressible and uh, non-breakable connection between love and laying down one life, one's life. Look at now at the epistle. Turn to the epistle. It begins in the very same way. We know love by this, that he laid down his life. What a wonderful thing. That's why the Psalm 23 can be true. Because Jesus laid down his life so that he can provide the table, the overflowing cup, the oil, the pasture, the safety and security, the home. So what? Look at the rest of the verse in the epistle. He laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. We are called to model our lives on the lives of our Savior. On the lives of the shepherd. He calls us to shepherd one another. 
As it says in Jude, I was in the Bible study, not like a shepherd who just feeds himself, but a shepherd who opens his eyes and is attentive. It's interesting to me that it doesn't say in the passage in the Good Shepherd that Jesus was so strong he beat off the wolf. He said, when the wolf comes, the hired hand flees, but the Good Shepherd does what? Doesn't beat off the wolf, he lays down his life. Because we are his body. We're not a possession for him. We are him. I am Jesus. When we come to this table and receive the body of Christ, it's to remind us that when we take that in faith, we are him. We are one with him. And so we are called to lay down our lives. Now down through history, you may have been asked to do that. If you lived in another part of the world, you may be risking your life by being a Christian. That's not the case here. But are we prepared to lay down our lifestyle? To take steps in that direction? To interrupt our busy schedules? To be there for one another? To open our pocketbook when we can? To help those? To show respect and dignity to those in want and need? It's a great passage. The shepherd calls us to be with him. To enjoy the benefits he has procured for us and to live that out in our day-to-day lives. To shepherd one another, to love and care, provide and protect. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.